Everyone, welcome back to The Human Challenge, where we explore all the human challenges in today's world, the challenges of being human, and how we can challenge ourselves to be more human for the greater good. I'm your host, Vanessa Ferlano, and today we're joined by Zara, former journalist for Global News, who was recently terminated. She's going to tell us the story. was recently terminated just around October 7th, uh, while on a mat leave, by the way, for taking a trying to use her platform for good to support her people, and ended up being terminated from her job while on mat leave, which I just... That fact alone, I just, I couldn't even believe that. So I'm very sorry to hear that, but I'm very grateful that you're here. How are you doing today? Thank you very much, Vanessa. Thanks for having me. Doing well, as best as I can, obviously. Um, yes. uh, it's great to be here. It's honored. Uh, it's an honor to uh, be able to share my story and the stories of Palestinians with you. No, I'm no, I'm, I'm super grateful. And, and, you know, when I, when I remember reading the headline um, about, about your, about your situation, I was just just in shock. And, you know, there's sometimes there's a part of me that's like, why am I in shock? You know, but but you just because you just don't think, you know, you don't you just think that aren't we done with this kind of stuff? You know, aren't we done with this crap? Like, have we not kind of moved on? But no, it's all the same. And so I was like, really, really disappointed. Um, But I I do I wondered if maybe you can tell us a little bit about maybe that maybe that whole situation, but maybe even before that, telling us a little bit about your story coming to Canada, um, and how you ended up there. And then, you know, of course, being able to share what sort of happened in that particular incident? Well, I was certainly disappointed, of course. I was very actually disappointed. Not, I would say this was the biggest disappointment for me in life because I once believed in Canada. I once believed in the values that, are, that drove me to come to Canada, in the values, in the organization I once thought I belonged to, I worked so hard with, I gave my time and my efforts and my energy and my resources and my skills to. Um, so indeed, I was shocked. I was disappointed. Um, what actually has happened is that um, my direct manager has reached out to me. So obviously, I was on mat leave. So he reached out on my personal email, letting me know that there was a complaint against me and that uh, he recommends I take down every post I have been sharing about Palestine um, and that I stop sharing publicly about this topic. Uh, obviously, this is not the first time I have such a conversation with my direct manager. It happened over the years, um, specifically back in May 2021, when uh, another Israeli aggression uh, has been taking place uh, on Gaza after year, after weeks of um, efforts to ethnically cleanse uh, certain neighborhoods in eastern Jerusalem uh, throughout Ramadan and um harassing uh, Muslim Palestinians worshipping uh, in Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. Um, during that time, I had um, a pro-Israeli pressure group here in Canada launching a campaign uh, against me to basically get me fired from Global News over some posts I have been sharing uh, about Palestine on my social media. Um, so at that time, I, I actually was scared. And I felt like uh, I'm going to lose my career. And I deleted the post at that time. But I felt suffocated. I felt I was silenced. I was, I was angry and I was disappointed that I expected the company would actually stand up for my right to speak up, stand up for me to be able to talk about human rights. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. I was only asked to take down whatever I have posted, which I have done. But at that moment, I promised myself that I I can't let this bullying happen again. 
especially that over the years, I've had conversations with managers before May 2021 and after that. And every time the topic of Palestine comes up, um, I was always told that this is a very sensitive topic. We got to deal with it um, in a certain way. There are some groups will come after us. There are people who are be who are going to be unhappy with the, the reporting. And so you feel like the topic of the topic of criticizing Israel is some sort of a red line in Western media. And this is not really about fairness and balance and claims of uh, impartiality and so on, but rather about the protection of these organizations and their interests and their businesses and um, the blowback and the pushback that's going to come after these organizations from certain pressure groups. So it's basically, to me, this is bullying, clearly is bullying, and I was feeling like, why would this company or why would any other organization give in to such bullying only to learn that um, that basically might be their position, that they don't even agree that certain employees have the right to express what they believe in when it comes to criticism of Israel? Because I was active on social media throughout my years. Uh, in that organization. And I talked about uh, Ukraine and Russia. I talked about um, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. I talked about federal politics in Canada, um, presidential elections in the U.S., and all kinds of ongoing affairs in the world. And I never was told to take down a single post about any topic, except when it comes to Palestine. So, when my direct manager reached out to me, uh, I responded to him. This time I chose to push back a little bit to actually tell him that uh, the company seems to try to invoke their social media policy only when it comes to Palestine um, and that the situation right now is so dire. I cannot, being a Palestinian, I cannot afford to stay silent. And the claims of diversity and inclusion should be applied right now. I'm your only Palestinian journalist. You certainly have paraded me in the newsroom over the years, being your only Muslim, hijabi, Palestinian on the team in the national newsroom. Uh, so why would you try to shut me up time after time when it comes to Palestine? Um, I didn't actually receive um, a response from my direct manager. Uh, I had to follow up two days later. And he actually told me that he only acknowledged the receipt of my email and told me that his response will come soon. At that moment, I knew what kind of a response that I'm going to get. Uh, a few days later, um, I received another email that was a separate, uh, a separate incident from a workplace investigator at Chorus, which is the... Um, which is the parent company of Global. Um, the investigator invited me for a meeting uh, saying that there was a complaint against me. At that moment, I obviously didn't know what, what kind of a complaint. And given the fact that I'm on mat leave, I haven't been in the office in weeks and months. I mean, I haven't interacted with anybody at the office in any official capacity during that time. And it, I obviously have no idea what she's talking about. So I felt like, okay, this is the second official communication by somebody at the company. No one even bothered to ask me, how am I doing? 
obviously, because of the time difference between Palestine and Canada, I was up all night checking on the people I know in Gaza, uh, basically just to know if they're alive or not. I wasn't getting any sleep, day and night, day and night. So I, I felt so disrespected. I replied to her, asking her about, uh, to give me more details about this, uh, this investigation, this complaint. And I thought it was the same one my direct manager has told me about. Uh, so I told her that this is actually disrespectful of the company to try to get me into meetings and to silence me time after another. And I sent her a screenshot of an image I was looking at when I received her email. The image was um, uh, a dead Gazan baby that was uh, killed uh, as a result of an Israeli airstrike in Gaza. I said that this image has been my reality and my people's reality. Uh, for one week at that time and for 75 years prior to that. And I would actually like to have some acknowledgement. I would like to have some respect. Um, and ho- however, uh, that employee took issue with me sending her that image, uh, didn't bother to respond to my questions about the investigation and complained to upper management about uh, the image I sent her saying that it was too too disturbing to her and that uh, she felt uncomfortable seeing such an image. Rather than sympathizing with more than 2 million Palestinians under Israeli bombardment in Gaza until today for more than two months, um, she chose to focus on her own feelings, uh, which only speaks to the culture of white supremacy in such organizations and institutions. It seems that the uh, peace of mind of some people, some privileged people, is more important than the suffering of millions of people in other parts of the world. What was even shocking more is that literally everyone I spoke to in the organization about this topic um, actually sided with that employee. I was even told by my own union representative that even if that image was my reality and my people's reality, I had no right to make it the reality of that employee. Wow. Like, I, I, I have no words uh, about the, the audacity some people have to actually tell you that your suffering doesn't matter to me. I don't want to be disturbed by your suffering. And by the way, this is literally this reason that I sent a graphic image to an employee is written in my termination notice. The company was legit serious about it. So you can imagine the amount of shock and the amount of disappointment I felt being their only Palestinian, asking for some sympathy and then being fired. What's even more insulting, Vanessa, is that they terminated me. Like I had a phone call with the senior leader of the company in which uh, he informed me of the decision. I was trying to have a conversation. He actually told me that um, this exercise, the phone call, is not to discuss the decision, but rather to inform me of the decision. I repeatedly asked about which posts were the problem and so on. No answer whatsoever. Um it, it, it was just that everything I have been posting gave the perception of bias, but which perception, who perceives it, according to who, which standards, again, no cooperation whatsoever. Um, 
what's even more insulting is that after informing me of the, of the decision of terminating my employment, they offered me money. They told me that we can pay you this much in exchange for you to sign a paper and not talk about this incident uh, in the media. So you kind of think that. The company has been trying to silence me over the years when it comes to Palestine. Uh, when I pushed back, I was terminated. And even though after my termination, they still want me silenced, even after um, fearing for their publicity or fearing for uh, their public image, um, it it only seems that uh, the public image of some organizations is more important than the human rights of Palestinians. That was even more insulting. And that was actually what drived me uh, to speak about this publicly, because what happens behind closed doors to journalists of minority groups um, is so unfair and is very much insulting and does not align at all with the claims of diversity of inclu- and inclusion of these organizations. To me, you know, as, as I'm as I'm listening to you, it's it's like almost like this feeling of of being blamed for for wanting a voice. Almost is kind of what I hear as I'm like listening to that. Like, and and you know, when you're talking about feeling shut out, like. Yeah, that's horrible. I'm genuinely very sorry for that experience. Um, you know, and I also think too, even like, why are they bothering you when you're on mat leave? I mean, <laughs> to be completely honest, like that's just, I just think like that on it in itself is like, just, I mean, yeah, I'm very sorry about that entire experience. That's horrible. I felt that it was some sort of a witch hunt because as I said, there's history here. This is not the first time some organizations come after me and want to get me fired from global because of my advocacy for Palestine. Again, I was, during my conversations with the leadership, I was literally never told which post was problematic to the company. They told me that, oh, you're posting things that are unbalanced and unfair. Um, well, which post exactly? I repeatedly asked. And that's all documented over and over and over. They not only dodged my emails, but in the end, they refused to tell me which post, which only tells me that the whole social media posts thing was just an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. Absolutely. Um, and you, know, you mentioned uh, the comment you made, too, about white supremacy. Um, and the privilege that it's like priv- there's a certain group of people who are more privileged that are allowed to express their feelings and have their feelings at the expense of suffering of other people. And, um, you know, those words also really sit in with me a lot because, you know, I think that's a very similar experience for a lot of us that that do that are a little bit open minded about educating ourselves about the history behind Israel and Palestine. And, and um, that is very much how it feels that it's. Um, you know, trying to say, hey, this is my reality. And then that reality being denied, you know, like, that's really horrible. Uh, It's really horrible. Um, You know, like the term gaslighting comes to mind as well. Like, it's just like, how can you deny my my reality right now in favor of yours? Because you're just choosing that ignorance, right? Um, And I think that that's, that's really, really horrible. Really, really horrible. Really disheartening. Exactly. And yeah, and when I think we talked about this offline when I told you that um, the reason of my shock comes from the fact that uh, the whole point I came to Canada 
And I, I only got my Canadian citizenship a few months ago. And um, I even posted about this online on, on my social media accounts. And I even posted a video of me doing um, the national anthem. And the moment when I said uh, our uh, home and native land, the only thing that came to mind, the only thing I could think of is my home and native land, Palestine, which was robbed from me, which I was never able to visit or live in because I'm Palestinian, uh, to the point that I'm the third, call it the fourth, Palestinian generation uh, that came, that was living in the, in the diaspora outside of Palestine. My husband is the same. The thing that we bonded over is that the fact that we both are looking for a piece of land, a place somewhere in the world that we can call home. We both come from Palestine. We both were born outside of Palestine to parents who were born outside of Palestine. And yet we only know Palestine as our home. We had to literally travel thousands of miles away from Palestine to come here to Canada to immigrate, to to try to get some some sense of belonging, some sense of identity that we belong to a place which was Canada. So you can imagine how how much high hopes I had when I came here, only to obviously learn about uh, what happened to the indigenous people of this land and the ethical dilemma I had as a Palestinian that, well, I immigrated to this land, but this land has an indigenous population that it was taken away from. And it, it basically is a repetition. My, my story as a Palestinian is a repetition for what happened to those indigenous groups. So the thing I could do for is to make sure what happened to them, the colonization that happened to them, the robbing of the land that happened to them never happens again to any other indigenous group in the world which happens to be the Palestinian people in my case. Um, so you can imagine how much hopes I had that I would be able to speak loud about this and support human rights in a country of free speech and freedom of expression and being able to work in the media. And I always had said that my role in Western media as a Palestinian, as a Muslim, as an Arab, is a bridge between the East and the West. All I was trying to do throughout my years is to actually get Western media to understand our issues deeply and even better. And to be able to tell our stories in a, in a way that makes literal, that literally bridges two different cultures, isolated by geography, by time zones, by language. Um, but unfortunately, what I was facing time after time, only when it comes to Palestine, is attempts of silencing. Um, so you can imagine how much disappointment and how much shock I had when I received the final email that uh, prompted me to delete everything I have been posting and to stop posting completely Within three hours of the receipt of that email, mind you, as you said, I'm on mat leave. I received that email by 5 p.m. So they basically gave me three hours. Obviously, at the time of uh, of the termination, I was dealing with a very difficult uh, health uh, situation that I, I, w- I wouldn't talk about right now. But um, I wasn't physically well enough to deal with that stress. However, and I had a sick baby, by the way, and a sick husband as well, 
given that it's winter already, um, I had to scramble to try to get in touch with my union representative by 5 p.m. No one is working by that time. I sent an email to, I replied to that email to my manager telling him that I need an extension of 24 hours to consider the request and to be able to talk to my union. Um, you, their, their response was that they gave me until 9 a.m. next morning. So they basically gave me the night, which no one is working throughout the night. And I myself, I'm certainly not expected to be up at night trying to get a response. Uh, going back and forth, they gave me another extension until 12 p.m., which, by the way, they never respected any of their deadlines. I was under so much stress trying to get in touch with the union and trying to get them to actually send me a list. By the way, they did say, if I need any help identifying the posts that they have seen problematic and they want me to take down, they would help. However, they refused to send me any links. When I said, uh, we, we clearly have a different understanding of what is uh, unbalanced and unfair in this situation. So would you please point me to specific posts that you see as unbalanced and unfair? And we can have a conversation about this. They refused. They say that they don't see it necessary to send me anything. And then they terminated my employment, assuming, based on the assumption, that I actually refused to comply with their requests. While their requests were not clear enough, and they refused to clarify them even further to me. So again, the, the whole thing of social media posts and claims of being unbalanced and unfair is just an excuse to just terminate me no matter what. Right. Yeah. I, I don't even think I have words for, you know, as I'm hearing all this, it's just, it's just that it's, yeah, it's just like bullying, putting people in a corner and like cornering people. And it's like, you have nowhere else to go. Uh, and that's horrible. Um, and that shouldn't be happening um, at all, especially, I think it's really disappointing to hear it coming from media because, you know, like that is, you know, as citizens, right, we're supposed to be looking up to our media, like we we depend on it. And, you know, for me, there's a part of me that's like, if I can't even depend on my media, like, who can I depend on? Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's, it's like really disappointing to know that, that, that these, you know, diversity is not honored, that, um, that money, it's just, it's easier to follow money, right? Um, and, and yeah, I don't know, I think, yeah, that's horrible. And I'm, again, like, I'm like, deeply apologetic that this whole scenario happened. You know what, what's a little bit consoling is that, um, well, obviously it took me two weeks of sleepless nights trying to make sense of what happened uh, until I got the courage to actually open the camera, talk about this and not cry. When I had the courage to do that and I spoke about what happened to me in a few minutes and posted that online. And I didn't actually expect that huge amount of support. Um, I don't know how many million views the video has gotten already, but last time I checked, it was over 3 million. Um, but it's not about the numbers. Uh, the idea is that this uh, criticism of Western media, legacy media, and mainstream media's coverage of the situation in Palestine is something that resonates with so many around the world that I have gotten this much support. What's more important 
is that in my DMs, in my emails, in my text messages, I have gotten countless of messages from fellow journalists in uh, global news and media um, newsroom, in CBC, in CTV, in other uh, news organizations across Canada and in the U.S. and literally all over the world of people telling me that um, what I said is something they're afraid to say because they're afraid of the consequences and that they can obviously see the consequences, they could lose their source of income and they are threatened with their own livelihoods if they speak up about the situation in Palestine. So there is a common feeling of, I I like to call it um, an environment of fear among journalists who are unhappy with the coverage, but cannot even speak up because of the consequences, which itself is bullying and is unfair and tells you how unfair the coverage is. If the people who are doing the coverage is unhappy with their work and are aware of how biased their work is, but yet can't do anything because they could become jobless and can't afford their rent or their groceries or anything to pay for. Um, so... The fact that I have received so many messages of support from people in these newsrooms tells you why there is such huge uh, belief today in alternative media, in social media, in TikTokers, in YouTubers, in uh, people covering what's going on in Gaza directly. The fact that you are able to see the images coming out of uh, Gaza on live stream on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or Snapchat uh, without the filtration that happens in Western newsrooms, um, which actually changed the public opinion. And that is why we're seeing so much public pressure. We see people on the streets protesting for weeks right now and uh, signing petitions and sending messages to their uh, elected officials. This turn in public opinion came from the knowledge people were exposed to by uh, these bloggers, these activists on social media, uh, what they have been seen on alternative media, because most of it is certainly not being shown on legacy media. The narrative that comes from any from the Palestinian side in general, whether Palestinian officials, Palestinian journalists, Palestinian activists, uh, even citizens inside Palestine is very much challenged in a way that the Israeli narrative is not challenged that much. So this itself tells you how biased legacy media is. But people no longer actually trust that, especially that they see, uh, again, the termination of, of myself is, must, must be seen within a context of a, of a bigger pattern. You know, uh, as I said, I'm not the first one to be terminated. I'm not the first one to be suspended or to be silenced or shot down because of my advocacy for Palestine. There have been people before me. And there have been so many after me and they will continue to be. So when we come and speak up about this and tell our and tell the world what's going on with us uh, and what happens behind closed doors, the attempts of silencing, the attempts of uh, getting us to stay in line, to be managed and be contained within the status quo, within the current narrative and not be able to challenge the current narrative about Palestine, which certainly is unfair, tells you the reason why the public no longer trusts 
uh, Western legacy media. Right. And so do you think, I mean, maybe this is kind of a two-part question. I'm curious if you think, one, do you think the coverage maybe has changed over the last like 60-ish days, or at least since October 7th, we'll say, you know, just kind of putting a container on this. Do you think that it's changed? Certainly. Yes. And do you think a lot of that has to do with like the public pressure, like you're saying, or do you think there's other reasons that maybe that has happened? 100%. I've gotten people, and this was such a funny incident. I have gotten people uh, sending me messages and saying that we were at a protest and we saw the global news cameraman and we went to him and told him, why did you fire Zara? And obviously the man is not responsible for that decision. So he's not to be blamed for sure. And uh, again, I feel sorry for him. But uh, this tells you that people are unhappy with Western coverage and they don't trust it anymore. And the decision makers in Western newsrooms see that and understand that. They they read the messages from... uh, from you know the public the viewers the audience members they read those emails the comments online um the direct messages they receive on their platforms they read all of that and this definitely affects their um uh, authenticity their claims of being unfair being fair and being balanced and so on so obviously they try as much as they can but also the fact that um journalists inside these newsrooms uh, <sighs> Again, throughout my years at uh, Global, I have seen people. So look, there is a lot of ignorance, that's for sure. A lot of it is driven by the fact that, um, let's talk about Canada specifically. So Canada is uh, isolated by geography, by language, and by time difference from the Arab world. And there's a huge wall of misconceptions and Islamophobia and uh, thinking of the Arab word as a third word and lesser people and so on. So there's all of that. And that definitely contributes. I I call it unconscious bias. And that definitely shapes the coverage. But there are also people who would like to learn, who are genuinely curious and want to do better. And they try their best. And time after time, mistake after mistake, and pushback after another pushback from members of the audience and from people on the streets. And the fact that viewerships go lower and lower and people uh, choose not to watch, uh, you know, the, the shows and the legacy media um, coverage and opt for uh, alternative uh, options like uh, TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and so on. Um, this pushes the media to try to do better within their limits of the status quo and within their limits of, you know, uh, making sure not to piss off some people and not to uh, impact their business and not to impact um, uh, their money. But um, I, I certainly think that the coverage has gotten better, but we have a long, long way to go until we actually get to a point where we can say this coverage is fair to the Palestinians. And the fact that the Palestinian voices and the voices of any person who challenges the status quo are being silenced and terminated doesn't help. It only makes the process slower and slower. Um, hmm. I'm just kind of letting that sink in. Um, 
Yeah, I hear you, you know, and I think that, I think the other issue too is, is, you know, when you were saying um, the, was it this piece of, there are people that are genuinely like open-minded and are curious, but then they receive that push down. And, and I think, again, what was sort of coming up for me in that was, you know, that where's that pushback coming from? It's coming from that, like that patriarchy, right? Like, don't shame my curiosity. Don't, don't put down the fact that I'm curious because it doesn't meet your agenda, right? Or it doesn't meet your bias or your misconception that you just are so adamant to believe in, right? Um, and like you said, it just makes this whole system so much slower. And I think, you know, what you're saying is describing a newsroom, but I see those same dynamics just out in the world, you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and that's why I think, it, yeah, like I appreciate these perspectives because I think it's applicable to many different areas, um, not just in the news. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think what happens in the newsrooms is only a reflection of how institutions work. This is only a reflection of how journalists or people of uh, color or minority groups are dealing with in any other institution and not necessarily in media newsrooms. Right. And I mean, first, like I have another question, but obviously I, I don't want to just like gloss over everything you said. I mean, I think that I'm very yeah. sorry to hear that. And, um, uh, um, and it's, it is a very disheartening uh, thing. You know, we were chatting earlier. Um, this is my first time, you know, just take like this is my first time even hearing about this the entire history of, of all of this and which is like kind of uh, it's very depressing actually you know to like you said this is 75 years and how is it that these things have been happening for 75 years and a lot of us genuinely don't know which is you know it's like depressing for me when I kind of had that realization and we were chatting earlier too and I was mentioning to you you know it was the same thing when I found out about or understood our what Canada did to our indigenous communities and I grew up in northern Ontario in Sault Ste. Marie and we actually have a residential school here and it's like beyond me realizing that literally the school is like around the corner from me, you know, and I had no idea that that's what was going on right around the corner for me, you know. And so it was that same, the same emotions really came up for me as I it was like educating myself here. And it's one of the reasons I've continued to be, you know, uh, educating and, and understanding and following a lot of the social media accounts, a lot of the journalists on the ground in Palestine. Um, yeah, it's been it's been very important to me. So I do appreciate everything you're saying, and and you know it definitely seems to be exactly what you know what what I've been observing through other accounts as well. Now I'm curious because you talked about this like over 75 years. So do you think that there's something maybe different about you know this particular? Is conflict the right word? I don't know, but I, you know, I'm just trying to set a bit of a boundary here. Like, let's just say October 7th until today, just because it's just easier to like talk about it. You know what I mean? Um, in a way that just sort of has a bit of a boundary. Um, but do you think there is something different about this particular quote unquote conflict, for lack of a better term? That uh, I don't know. Like, maybe is this one getting more coverage than others? And and again, like as someone who's just still educating myself and very open-minded to educating myself. Um, that's where this, this question comes from, right? Is this, do you think there's something different about this one that just seems to be particularly getting a little bit more attention? It certainly is. First of all, the aggression this time is much worse. We're talking about, I don't even know the numbers right now because they're increased by the minute, by the hour, by uh, the day, uh, the numbers of casualties, the number of people in Palestine that have been killed by Israel. We're talking about nearly 20,000 or more of Palestinians who have been killed. So the situation right now is even worse, yes, for sure, uh, than past years. And 
this is why is it crucial for people like me and other people who are activists on social media, people in the media, journalists and so on, who have a voice to actually give their voice to the people of Palestine. This is why is it so crucial that we cannot afford to stay silent because as you said, the awareness spreads one step at a time, right? So what happened back in May 2021, and there was several other aggressions in between May 2021 and this time, uh, every time you get more coverage, you get more awareness because people don't get tired of talking about Palestine until Palestine is free. And this is why uh, people must keep on talking about this because the only way the injustice could stop, the only way this could end is by spreading enough awareness to the public that the public applies enough pressure on elected officials and on governments to stop supporting the genocide that's happening in Palestine by Israel, to stop funding Israel. Obviously, Canada invests a lot of money in Israel. Canada buys military equipment and sells military equipment to Israel. They give them our taxpayer money. So the only way for this to stop and to get Israel to become weaker and not be able to uh, apply their aggression on the Palestinians and kill the Palestinians with total impunity is to apply enough public pressure to, to spread awareness and get that awareness to move citizens in Western countries and get those citizens to tell their public officials, we're not going to vote for you. We're not going to um, support what you're doing because this isn't right. And so public officials will be in a position that they literally need to choose between their public opinion in their countries or supporting Israel. So at some point, supporting Israel will not be sustainable enough for these governments and they must stop it. And that uh, that's one way of getting the aggression to stop against the Palestinians. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I think we're seeing that with the boycotting, right? Like that's actually been having a very huge effect. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when I hear that and, and I, there's a part of me, I wish the awareness would grow a little quicker, but I mean, yeah, it is a lot bigger. I think, I mean, these, these are some of the biggest protests I think we're seeing in history. I was reading somewhere. Um, and so I think they that are that, the biggest. Yeah. I think that's, that's amazing. And it's very encouraging, obviously. Um, but but yeah, I would love it to move personally a little faster. Um, but but it sounds like so it sounds like you're saying that this the reason that this particular aggression is is just seems to be getting more awareness is just because it's just that much more aggressive. It's one of the most aggressive it's the ones. It's, it's yeah. the that's the biggest reason. Okay. Um. Wow. And I guess so for those of us here who you know want to stay educated, want to be supportive, um, what are some of the best ways for us to do that? Well. You need to keep on talking. People, as I said, we don't, we, we don't afford to stop talking about Palestine. The people in Gaza have no voices. We should be their voices. We should be the ones spreading the word about what's going on. Obviously, keep applying public pressure on, uh, on elected officials. Uh, there are calls right now for a global public disobedience, for strikes on Monday, not to go to work. Don't buy anything. Don't interact with anybody. That will drive the economies down as a form of resistance, as a form of saying to the governments, 
we do not agree, we do not support the government's stance on what's going on in Palestine, on this genocide. Um, boycotting, as you said, boycotting is very important. What funds uh, the genocide in Palestine is the money Israel is getting. So to stop this genocide, you got to stop the money, obviously. So move out, move out your money from banks that support Israel, that do investments in Israel. Do not buy products from companies that do business in Israel and support uh, the apartheid system. Uh, do not interact with, with organizations that have a clear stance in support of Israel. Um, th- this is the least any human being can do to be able to sleep at night, to be able to look look oneself in the mirror and be able to respect yourself and and to tell your grandchildren or your children one day that there was a genocide and I did something. I didn't just look these images and look away. I was able to scream free Palestine in the streets, go to protests, send an email to your public official, to your MP, sign every petition you see, be loud and do not stop. So you can actually have some human dignity and decency in yourself. This is not only for the Palestinians. This is for ourselves to be able to respect our humanity. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's what this is about. It's about respecting humanity, 100%. I think that's an excellent message (laughs) to close off for the day is is this message about humanity. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to hear your story. Um, And, and, you know, obviously, you know, we're most of us here. We're, you know, waiting for that ceasefire, pushing for that ceasefire, not just waiting, I should say, um, you know, and, and I think for myself anyways, I'm for sure open-minded, open-hearted, um, you know, as supportive as I can be. So uh, very grateful to share this space with you, um, share this platform with you, and uh, we will definitely be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you very much. It's always an honor.